In the AFC and the NFC, the conference champions have been crowned. And for their victory, they get a first-class ticket to the Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. Sadly, however, two teams have had their admirable seasons put to an end and will be dealing with the aftershocks of their performance. But to clean up the mess, help us find the reason why the best teams came out on top, my friend Holmy joins us. Mate, it's been 24 hours since the first game kicked off. Have you come to terms with what's happened? Yeah, I have, Cad. The team's won. You know, they deserve to win. They got it done. Am I happy about red on red? No. <laughs> Very <laughs> upset about this. You know, it's against my flavour, but um, all around, two good games when it goes on. It, it took a lot for me to kind of get uh, over these kind of results. You know, I actually had my heart, and I think in a lot of these games, of who I wanted to win. And for both of those teams not to come up was pretty disappointing. And then for the tipping comp to send me a notification, basically being like, you tipped terribly this week. Zero. I was like, I'm hurting enough. All right. Don't tell me about this. Yeah, you did. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't get those notifications. I must have turned it off because I know the misery of getting that, the donut when you've gone the other way. But uh, it's a, it was a tough week because just two stories that have ended, which we'd had so much hope for throughout the season. I think that's the hard part. Because this is the point where you have to say goodbye to some really good teams who've been in our story for the whole season, and they leave at the right, <laughs> they leave at the wrong time for them. Yeah. It's, it's quite a bit of pain there. There's a lot of cities hurting in America right now, and I feel uh, that map of who is in the Super Bowl, of who support, who wants that team to win, is basically just California. And Kansas City. They're the only teams rooting for anyone in the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, we talked about the preview that the uh, the rest of the country were going the same the same way you work out. And uh, <laughs> so everyone else was probably not very happy as well. So might be a bit of misery everywhere. Mm. But there is a lot of news kicking around this time of year, especially on the coaching carousel. Homie, we don't have time to go through every, I guess, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. So we've cherry-picked what we like here. Let's start off with some big news. Now, if you didn't catch last week's episode, Homie put himself out there and announced that Jim Harbour was going to be, in fact, he said was officially the new Chargers coach. Now, this was before any other media outlet had confirmed the information, all the Chargers, and an hour after the episode was released, boom, news drops. ESPN says it's confirmed worldwide. Jim Harbour is the new coach of the Chargers. Just wanted to ask you, Homie, how does it feel to be an NFL leading journalist? Wonderful. <laughs> I can't believe it. I got so many, uh, I got so many inboxes, you know, messages in my inbox. Like, how did you get this scoop? How did you get it? And the only thing I'm sad about is that I didn't get it. It spread out wider before it actually hit. Cause that, <laughs> that annoying Adam that gets everything. Adam Schefter, <laughs> how, does yeah. get how does he get them all? And I thought I'd broken one finally, but now his name jumps to the top of the pile and he gets to, he gets to spread it as if he got it. But, we got it here first at Onside Punt, Cat. It's an exclusive. It was an exclusive and, yeah, look, Schefter takes all the glory, but that's fine. I guess, you know, he deserves it for maybe officially talking to the team and getting that note. No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't go out on a limb like less. He, he actually knows. We, we have to stand by it. If I get it wrong, I'll be in big trouble, right? <laughs> yeah, huge trouble with that. <laughs> we have Those no consequences. come after me. They're, they're very excited now. They're very excited. <laughs> Now, a little bit of background on Harbour for those of you who don't know. Jim Harbour, brother of Ravens coach John Harbour, has done this before. He coached the 49ers 2011 to 2014, taking them to the Super Bowl against his brother, which was incredible, a great matchup there. 
if you remember as well, we mentioned Jim in our interview with ex-Chargers legend Darren Bennett, who played with Jim. Go back and listen to that one if you missed it. Uh, Jim played his last years with the Chargers, so it's kind of a coming of home in, in some way. Holmey, he's just won the college football championship. He's already taken a team to the Super Bowl. As a Chargers fan, how excited are you about this? I just, it just feels so fresh and new. Like it's like a, a son coming home. He's got success. We've got a new flavor. He's excited. So he got starstruck when he met Justin Herbert. And I think, oh, if he's getting starstruck, I can get starstruck, right? <laughs> and it's just like he's excited for this team and the quality he's got running through. So we get to be just as excited, Kat. Yeah, it feels like something's actually gone right for the Chargers. You know, there are rare moments when we get all the player personnel. Like when we got Herbert and he was performing well, we thought, yes, that's another tick for us. Obviously, all the bad stuff has happened since that moment. But we now have another another positive that we can put together and hopefully someone who can captain this ship. He's got a massive task ahead of him. He's got to turn this team around. They're currently expected to be $54 million over budget next year. So he's going to have to <laughs> he's got to do a lot of chopping. That's your salary, isn't it, Kat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish. Uh, but I'm ready for him. I think Chargers fans are too. Also, the Ravens will be versing the Chargers next year. So we will have a, a Harbour battle. Cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, that was the only comment John Harbour had to say on it. He's like, oh, we first them next year. It's like, all right, John, calm down. <laughs> Chargers have a long way to go before we contend. There'll be way too much energy in that game. Yeah. There'll be way too much. In related news, uh, one-year Chargers offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, is expected to go to the Eagles. Don't know if that's been confirmed yet, but a lot of rumours. Adam Schefter, as you said, homies, put that out there. Um, yeah, it's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. We could probably break it here. Break it's it break it now, yeah. homie. Just say it's confirmed. Yeah. He's not going there. No, what? <laughs> what? Nah, he what he's definitely going. He's going across. It's pretty much done and dusted because it seems like Jim's going to bring his own crew into the Chargers yeah, system. He's bringing the defensive coordinator from Michigan. I'm not sure about the offensive coordinator yet, but uh, I was just thinking with Kellen Moore going from the Cowboys, like he was barely at the Chargers, but he was a Cowboys OC for so long. Now he's going to the Eagles. They're going to hate that. The Cowboys fans are going to absolutely hate that. Especially if they get success. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, moving it on, the Panthers have hired the Buccaneers offensive coordinator, Dave Canales, as their head coach. Bit of a surprise for the NFL world, homie. He's not a household name. He's not on most teams' interview lists. Credited with the development of Baker and getting that offense rolling late in the season. This must be the guy that they think is uh, set for Bryce Young. This was a surprise, this one. We didn't sort of see this name popping up around the interview world and they were shopping pretty hard. So it was surprising when they locked down their man. Uh, Probably I've got to do a bit more research on him to see what kind of coach he's going to be. But it seems seems like a nice, at least it's a clean start for them. Yeah. It's clean. No history there. They need need something fresh and and something (laughs) to mix things up. Dave will also be the only Hispanic coach in the NFL next season. He's, uh, I think, the fifth in NFL history. Definitely, definitely. And moving it on, the Falcons, homie, have found their new head coach in Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator for the Rams this past season and the uh, Super Bowl season as well. Once the head coach for Tampa Bay in the same decisions in the same division, so he's getting his second opportunity here. Any change to the Falcons will be exciting for Atlanta, homie. There's no question about that. But my question is actually, where does this put... Bill Belichick. Kind of forgotten about him. The headlines haven't been ringing around, have they? They've gone quiet. Bill's name is not rolling around. He's running out of interviews as well. Who we got left? We got... Then they got two teams. Seahawks and the Commanders and... Uh, yeah. Do you think he's going to get picked up or 
have we seen the last season of Bill Belichick? Well, I can't imagine. Okay, let's have a look at this. So I can't imagine him going to the Seahawks because then you just got two old men in a, they're not starting a retirement village, are they? Be, like that'd be a bit awkward, wouldn't it? Like imagine those two grumpy old men just rolling around, sitting well, there on the bench with one's blankets up. in their laps. Yeah. yeah, I just don't think that'd work. Surely they're going a younger development style coach because they kept him, because uh, they kept the old coach on. So that would leave us with one. And the commander, I can't see the commanders going that avenue. I think, uh, I think that would be detrimental to the development they've made and their new owners and different yeah. things that they're looking at doing. I think they'll move away. I thought Vabral might be a front runner for commanders a little bit as well, but I haven't seen his name either. He's sort of dropped off That's too. That's true as well. In fact, I think we might have a lot more head coaches or ex-head coaches rolling around the system that we're not really seeing pop up in headlines at the moment. It's interesting to see where these guys will land. I have two scenarios there for you, homie, with Bill. First is we know that Tom Brady has a big contract about to start with the media. And some articles have said about Bill that it's likely he could become an analyst. And I was just thinking, are we going to get Bill and Tom together again on some sort of panel or commentary team, the worst commentary team that could possibly exist? Ooh. Cat, don't put that out to the world. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd have an end of that. Oh, no. Nah, mate, bring it back. No, don't do that to us, Cat. The Patriots need something after the last season. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> Move us on. Move, Move us on. on. <laughs> All right, second, second option. Second option. Uh, one more likely to me, Mike Garofalo floated. When teams aren't performing mid-season, when general managers aren't getting the results they want by week nine out of their coaches, what's to stop franchises from firing that head coach? bringing Bill off the bench and getting him in mid-season. That seems more likely to me. Yeah, again, I just don't I just don't know you. He's such a he's such a figurehead. I don't think you want that pressure on your club. I just wouldn't want like oh, I just can't see it, cat. I really can't. I just don't think I, I think he might be done. Homie's in for the new might. era. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I've cleared this late. I was happy. As soon as the Falcons didn't move on it, I thought, we're done here. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're all over. <laughs> well, we don't, we don't know either, like, you know, if Bill was like, talk to the Falcons twice, and he's like, oh, God, no. Or the Falcons just decided to go a different way. Um, but it would be, homie, the first time this century that Bill will not be a head coach in the NFL if nothing pops up for him, which will be interesting and a big, big change. We are seeing a changeover in the eras of the NFL. Last bit of news, homie, if you weren't upset enough for my previous comment before we jump into games, I saw the headline over the weekend that Arthur Smith was being interviewed by the Steelers for a defensive coordinator position. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I love you about this. <laughs> how is that possible? How, did they watch any games this season? This is outrageous. What are they thinking? Like Steelers. And they don't fire coaches too. They will be stuck there for 10 years. Like... <laughs> Steelers, please do not make this move. You've got a coach oh, that was now. just I can't have this happen. You've got a coach that was flamed for not using Bijan Robinson, and then he's just going to move to a team where he again will not use George Pickens. Like <laughs> just keep oh, George yeah. on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a career killer. I just think he's going to roll around ruining careers. Uh, just this is so dangerous, Steelers. I, I, I might have to send him a memo. I might have to send something in. God, I can't have this happen. But yeah. There's Hopefully he had the moustache because then they wouldn't have trusted him. That's what I hope, yeah. <laughs> All right, Cad, let's head into the games. It was a big conference final. We had the two games to get through and I'm going to kick us off with the AFC final. 
Obviously, we had the Ravens hosting the Chiefs, and the Chiefs secured their spot in the Super Bowl with a 17-10 to 10 win over Baltimore at home for Baltimore. Mm. The number one seeds hosted the Chiefs, but you wouldn't have thought it as they embraced the underdog tag and probably added another tag as a bit of a bully cad. <laughs> they started the game quite weirdly here with uh, throwing Justin, Justin Tucker's equipment. They were throwing it off the ground. They were not happy. They were throwing it everywhere. And then um, there was a bit of a scuffle on the sideline as well. It just seemed like this bully mentality. And just, you know, if you see the footage, it's Kelsey and Mahomes as well going up to the future Hall of Fame kicker, getting his helmet and everything and all these kicking tees and just tossing it out of the zone. It kind of put this statement out there that said, oh, I know we're in Baltimore, but playoffs are our house. This is where we live. You're a guest in the playoffs. You're not meant to be here. It was clear very quickly that the Chiefs knew their game plan and they understood their role and they were willing to do whatever it took to win this game. And that's how they started as well. It was a masterclass. Mahomes, he starts on a streak of 11 straight completions. Andy Reid said, starting the game off of 11 completions, that's something, something special. And it was because it it broke this game up and we saw Travis Kelsey straight into the game with a TD, which also meant straight into the game with the Swifties. So we're oh, yeah. up and about here. Mm. She had curly hair, everyone. I know it's dramatic. It's and okay. And on the field, which I, you know. Get out. Come no, on, guys. Hold it. Hold, <laughs> it. hold it back. Hold it back. We'll save that to the previous show. But <laughs> it was exciting as the as they got on a real charge here. There was 7-all at the start here. They did. The Ravens did respond. But the Chiefs, they were bringing it to the house here. And they were, they were bringing intensity. They really put Baltimore off their game. And. And the niggle was good because they took it to the line and it was probably highlighted when Van Noy uh, headbutted Kelsey, you know, never come third man in. Yes. Everyone knows that rule, Van Noy. You can't do that. And obviously there's little, little chinks that sort of felt like the Baltimore Ravens were unsettled pretty quickly here, Cad. Yeah, it seemed to fall apart very quickly for them. When you see Mahomes get off an 11 completion run, there's an intimidation that sets in. I was very confused by Lamar's play in this game, homie. I'm sure you're about to get to it, but he just didn't seem like himself to get the Ravens going. Yeah, they weren't this. They weren't the team we've come accustomed to. They weren't the, see, the team we'd seen all season. And defensively, they were strong, still strong. Oh, like yeah. let's, you know, they've only given up 17 points for the game. Yeah, let's give credit where it is. The Ravens' defense, yeah. I, I have no issues with. They probably still didn't get a stop on on Patrick and that's two weeks in a row now that people have not got hands on Patrick and that's something we need to work because he keeps as we've seen he just comes out the front of that at the front once it breaks down he comes out the front he's so dangerous do, and do um, you feel that he is more dangerous out of the pocket you know I feel like obviously he's dangerous in the pocket when he's well protected but I feel whenever he runs I don't think they're ever going to get him in fact I I just have zero security that they're going to be able to stop the play run him down or pin him because Kelsey starts to free ball, goes right off the course of the play they've driven up, and then they can get any play, any first down, even touchdowns. Well, let, let's go there, actually, because Patrick Mahomes, let's talk about him. He's got to be – he's our generation's best quarterback. Correct, yeah. He is He is unbelievable. He's elite. He makes plays that no one else can make, and he makes them look easy. Like, the stuff he's doing does not is not easy. Some of those plays, half the time you think, that's intercepted. And it hits it hits a uh, chief's hands. Mm. Sometimes they drop it, which we've come accustomed <laughs> to in the in the season. You know, mid season we think they're done and dusted, but they're a postseason beast. And 
Kelsey, obviously, he takes some records as well. But it, that connection in the in the postseason just gets bigger and bigger, and uh, it's all off the back of Patrick Mahomes and his ability to not get touched, his ability to keep a play alive, and his ability to complete that play, which is the probably the opposite of what the Ravens did. So we'll go we'll go back to the Ravens now, and uh, there's probably a section of play that that really, you know, we've got to halftime. They're still in the game. It's a close game. They come back out in the third. This is the this is the time for the Ravens. They're always a second-half team. They love to blow teams up in the second half. They've got a home average of 31 points. You think they've got to put some scoreboard pressure on and let's roll it on here. But I didn't think we are going to bring this segment back, but we're going to. It's the old rookie error, Kat. Mm, rookie error has <laughs> come late in the game. <laughs> yeah, we don't want this in a conference final and... Let's give let's give some credit first. Let's do a positive before we do the negative. Zay Flowers, you're a beast. We love everything about your play. You're an incredible player and you've been outstanding for Baltimore this year. But there was a moment in this game that probably moved all momentum when, uh, firstly, a great catch and carry, and then taunts. This gave me the ick, if you will, <laughs> with the rookie taunts. Catches the ball. The defensive player, Chase Flowers, on the ground. He shoves him back down to the ground, gets up, looks down at him, screams something and flexes a little bit. That's just the rookie stuff you don't need to do. It's a little bit arrogant. You're also down at the moment. It's what it's the first mistake. Let's just say that. He, he, I love his energy, but he might have got away with it, but he also threw the ball as well in that vicinity, which gives him no chance. And there was a tweet by Joe Burrow and he's like, let the players taunt. But <laughs> the reality is the rules are the rules. And, uh, you, you know, the Chiefs took it to the edge and kept it there. Baltimore just went a little bit over a couple too, too many times and I think it cost him in the, in the long run. And then there was a play, Zay Flowers is obviously heading into the end zone. He is about two, four yards from the end zone. He could have gone down and it wasn't, it wasn't on a fourth down, it wasn't on a third down. They had about two, they have a second down play after this. Instead of just going down probably a yard short of the end zone, he decides to extend full arm spread with the ball and it is... So common that the balls get knocked out or tipped at this point. Stretches out with his arms, homie, and it just gets stripped out in the end zone. Play over. Big play by Ladarius Sneed here. This is also telling you that a play is never dead. Zay Flowers could have probably tucked this under his arm and ran in, but he's mm -hmm. chose to dive. John Harbaugh did defend his player and said, this is how we train them. He had two hands on the ball. That's all we asked them to do. So him extending with two hands on the ball, they, that's all they asked from him. But... It gave um, Snead a chance, and he took every moment knocking that ball out, and obviously the turnover resulted. This changed all momentum because it, it lacked the ability for them to have scoreboard pressure. Scoreboard pressure is what they needed in the second half to get into this game. The Chiefs did not score in the second half, mm. but the Ravens could not get anything going. I think with Zay, like he came out, homie, we saw him say, I will learn from my mistakes. And you gave credit to him, but I think... It it's so clear. Everyone's hating on him right now in Baltimore. Everyone's angry at him for different moments. But I feel like he was the best wide receiver that the Ravens had in this game. OBJ we saw a little bit of, but I just can't say that Zay Flowers, he should get all the credit for the Ravens even having what they had on the board for any any reason and moving it up the field as well as they did. He has to keep playing the way he is because he's, he's exciting and mm. his energy brings energy to the team. It's more that this was the turning point of the game in terms of their ability to get back into the game. Nothing else on top of Zay Flowers. He he needs to play that way because that's how he plays his best. Mm. And it seems that the coaching staff is going to support that as well. 
But that moment then moves on to the next moment, which is then uh, is Lamar then under pressure. And he looked strange in the pocket this week. He had time, but then he didn't do great things with it. He didn't do his normal run. They didn't go to their run game. They were really short on the run game a lot. I think they only had nine hit-ups from their running backs total. And Lamar was definitely down on his normal production. So we saw them move away from their general play. And it was pretty disappointing to see because we we wanted to see, you want to see a team lose at their best. And the Ravens have definitely lost at their worst performance of probably of the year. You were just confused as well. As you said, he has so much time and you're like, all right, he's going to take off now. Oh, wait, now, 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 Lamar, what are you doing? And he just wouldn't run anywhere. And look, I don't know if he was in his head. I don't know if he just thought it wasn't there or he was kind of trying to a passing game and that's what they were intending to do to surprise the Chiefs. And once he stops operating, I feel the Ravens stop operating as a whole. Yeah, the the Chiefs' defense were really strong this whole game and credit to them because they've been keeping their team in this the whole year. And uh, But let's go to Lamar and see how he actually felt after the game, Cat. Oh, I'm not frustrated at all. I'm angry about, you know, losing. We're a game away from the Super Bowl. Uh, we've been waiting all this time, all these moments for an opportunity like this, and we fell short. But I feel like our team, we're going we gonna, to we gonna build. You know, this offseason is going get, to get right, um, get better, grind, and try to be in this position again, but on the other side of victory. I think they were really clean at owning this loss, Cat. Mm. Like, the Ravens... We, I know we're talking a lot about them more than the Chiefs, but it's because because we were going to say goodbye to them, but they really did not perform as we needed them to. Uh, and I think they'll be better for the pressure. Yeah, I think that you've got to remember that Lamar is young and Zay Flowers is young. It's In fact, it's Zay Flowers' first year and everyone's going, oh, what, how dare you mess it up in your conference game in your first season that you've ever at played home. in the NFL at home. <laughs> yeah, right. There's a in lot of pressure. Of your crowd. It's yeah. a lot of pressure yeah. for them and they've got time to develop it. I think Jared Goff, which we'll get to in a little bit, but he said similar comments where it's the juggling, the emotions of of sadness and anger and then also pride and, and where they've gotten to as a season. And I think if they're recognising what they've been able to do with this team, well done. Well, the Chiefs, they head on though. So let's head back to them mm-hmm. and let's talk about Travis Kelsey now because he had an outstanding game. Talk about a big-time player. He steps up when they need to and... uh it was the Travis Kelsey show for a long time here. So Travis has broken Jerry Rice's most catches in the postseason, NFL record. So he went past the 152 catches. Outstanding record here. Probably we can't really highlight because it, it doesn't really matter. But so we need victories. So, but it's it's him and Mahomes as a collective. They just keep breaking records. And he he went for over 115 yards in this game. TD, plenty more. He is like they are the heart and soul of this team. That two connection, isn't it? When you see Travis start to get going on a game, it just makes you instantly sad because you're like, okay, the Ravens better put up or shut up because once that connection rolls, and then not dropping catches, we're in a bit of trouble. And and one thing that Homie, you always say to me, once uh, MVS Marquez Valdez Scantling catches the ball. It means the Chiefs are going to win the game. And all oh, these things were turning for them. That opening 11-play drive, it ended with <laughs> Scantling <laughs> taking the catch. And I'm like, oh, we're in big trouble here. And they've also found a way of trolling teams at the very end because he's also the last catch of the game now as well. So he also puts the exclamation mark on the victory as well. But they roll on and they were, it's a great performance. They just show us that they're that really strong postseason team. Those little chinks that we've seen in the season seem to have gone away. 
fully. We don't really know. We've got it's, it can pop up at any moment when it's just catching as, as your error. But exciting times here for the Chiefs, and they've been here before. They know how to play in the big dance. It's now four. This is his fourth appearance for um, Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, and uh, he'll have every bit of confidence walking into this crowd. They've been there before and they know it. And it's funny, at the start of every season, we try to look for reasons why we can dismiss them. And I'm guilty of that. I'll put my hand up straight away. I want the narrative to kind of end because dynasties can ruin it. It's it's amazing to see, but I I like a bit of change in the division. The Chiefs just prove us wrong every year. They are so comfortable in the playoffs. As long as they get enough in the regular season, they're going to come and be in control. That's intimidating enough for the 49ers. Yeah, and Andy Reid, like... Hats off. He is a master, isn't he? He just can't. And if you ever looked at the family tree of coaches, how many are linked to him as well mm. that are currently in the system, he is the master. And he got this team absolutely jacked for this game. He had them running. I just think there's a lot in that room as well that gets this team exactly where they need to be. And I think he's done really well for this team. All right, moving it on to our second game, homie. The 49ers have been crowned the champions of the NFC, defeating the Detroit Lions 34-31 to in one of the best games of the season. No matter who you were rooting for, if you love football, just adored this game. Let's kick it off first, though, with Dan Campbell's post-game conference. I'm really, I'm really proud of all, all these guys I am. I mean, and uh, it's hard when you lose that way. Um. It's hard. You know, you feel like you get your heart ripped out. So Heartbreaking for Campbell there and watching all the Lions players. But the main reason this hurts so much, homie, beyond everything they've done is a game of two halves couldn't be overstated when describing this matchup. Lions led 24-7 to at the end of the second quarter and one quarter later, it was all tied up. The momentum and energy in that stadium shifted. Did you hear that or recognize that as soon as the second half kicked off, the 49ers fans who were at home just came to life. Oh, the faithful. Oh, it's a hard word for me to say. They uh, stepped up. Oh, they were loud, weren't they? they? It was a definite momentum snap. And it just seemed to compound with the crowd going nuts and nuts. But let's start with the first quarter here. The Lions get off the mark early with Jamison Williams, who took a 42-yard run to the house for an opening touchdown. He only appeared for a few receptions, but I really wanted to note him because I thought he was so reliable in big moments. What stood out to me most here, though, was the running game. David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs slicing up the Niners' defense, and conversely, Christian McCaffrey was doing it the same against the Lions. Seemed like no one wanted to throw it in the first half, but it was working, and the 49ers really struggled to contain this combination of players early. This is what a combination, and I think credit to both teams. Their running backs are elite. And they were just going at it. They were, it was very exciting. I, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed it that matchup a lot, the, the running backs against each team. And I think even Mc, Christian McCaffrey, he didn't have big numbers, but he definitely did extra than he, he should have. But yeah. back, to, back to the lines, though. That first half, it was everything you'd seen during the season. Montgomery with that, that stronger busting run. And then Jameer Gibbs on the outside with that late speed and that cutting angles. Oh, that was so exciting. It's our favorite part of the game we said before is watching running backs and the dynamic duo of like a bowling ball or a wrecking ball running back and an agile running back. 
just works so well for this team. They have so much around the ball in the receiver game. What I will say for McCaffrey, though, is when nothing was working for the 49ers in the first half, he still was working. He was still operating. And I think oh, that's a monster, too. isn't he? It is. He it, is an absolute monster. He's a freak. And, and we talked about it last week. If, you know, we don't see Purdy as the person who carries this game, we saw it as McCaffrey is going to be the center point of what's consistent in this team. But we will get to Purdy in, in the second half. The Lions' pass coverage, I think, was great in first half. Cam Sutton did really well to cover when Purdy started to test out his arm, limited the deep ball for the Niners. Purdy was put under a little bit of pressure. Then it's halftime, homie. Things start to change. I've got a story here for you, homie. It's titled, How to Go from 24-7 and 7 to 27 all in 15 minutes. It goes, fourth down <laughs> oh. drop by Reynolds. Vilders dropped interception. Third down drop by Reynolds. Fumble by Gibbs. Perfect punt coverage ruined. Now, if this isn't a sequel for a series of unfortunate events, I don't know what is, but it started to go down for these boys. This was a span of about four minutes as well. This wasn't even a whole quarter. It was unbelievable. You talk about wanting to slow momentum. <laughs> San Fran had a 17 points at halftime. They were lucky to be only 17 points down. So they've covered that gap really quickly. So they're back in the game really quickly. And it was, I was a bit surprised by uh, that we know Dan Campbell, but... The fourth down. Let's, oh. let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Dan's known to be aggressive. He's analytically driven, as in he looks at the stats and the probability of will you go for it or will you kick it. When the numbers to tell him go for it, he goes for it. Even when they don't, he generally does as well. In the third quarter, they go for it on fourth and two. The play works. However, Reynolds drops the ball. Later in the fourth quarter, it's now 24-27 to the Niners. They're in the same spot that they were previously. The numbers say he has a 53% chance of success, so it's not by much, still a 47% chance of failure. Dan decides to go for it. Difference here is the play shuts down. They didn't have the right play for it, or credit to the 49ers. They had the right defensive coverage for it, and Goff didn't have an option here. It shut down. Campbell said in his interview, yes, hindsight's 2020. But I'm more curious, Tommy, what you thought in the moment watching the game, not looking back on it now and the result, but in the moment when when he went for it on fourth down. What I, I might do it a bit more broadly because I, I, I think of sport as, as moments and momentum and they were getting railed for a while and a field goal just takes some time to breathe. And I just didn't think that they had a moment to breathe. And I think that constant desire to go on the fourth just doesn't let them breathe. I was struggling with this moment. The second half ends with them on the goal line and they don't go for it. They go, for, they get a field goal. How does that not roll into these why, moments? Why didn't you go for it then? Yeah. Why? I was like, this is the first time I saw him not go for one. And then I thought, okay, we've got a different style here for the, you know, it's an important game. So you're going to do a little bit. He feels conservative. Yeah. And then we get to a big moment, same sort of similar scenario. And he elects to go. I, I was a bit confused by that. I think that's an interesting one because it's it talks about momentum. And I'm a bit partial for teams to go for it on, on fourth down. I think I have been since the Chargers were successful with it probably two seasons ago. Dan Campbell, that team, they instilled themselves with that confidence to go for it all, leave nothing at the door. That just went in converse to what I would say. When, when you're ahead, go for it. Don't go for it when you're clawing from behind. I think, though, unfortunately, he made the wrong call here. I think the first one's excusable. They had the play. The player didn't execute. That's fine. The second one, however, they did not have the play for it. 49ers covered them well. Their momentum was slowing. 
And it was just a prayer to, oh, geez, I hope we can get back in this game. The Hail Mary on fourth down. Why not do it when you're ahead? The second one was the worst because, and, and the worst imagery was them cutting to their kicker in him. Pretty <laughs> he was pretty confused, what? honestly. He yeah, was exactly. like, <laughs> I kind of saw some murmuring of like a, when you kicked to me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I heard that. that. <laughs> yeah, and there's a chance that he would have missed that as well. But it, it was a, there's just that give yourself a chance to give your defense a chance to make a play. Mm. Like he, give the defense a chance to make the play as well because there was moments they could have picked off as well. And maybe that's what you could have taken away the game. Get your three points, get back to even and see if you can pick them off. And I think they, he misses a, sometimes misses that moment that could come through. When you look back as well, as we know, hindsight is 2020, as Dan said, you look back and you've lost by three points or technically four for a win. Those six points could have done a lot for the team, not to say the 49ers would have pushed harder for it, but it gives you, every point gives you a better opportunity towards winning. Let's move it on. We don't have to talk about the fumbles. They happen. The botched punt coverage by the sec, uh, the special teams, that was especially disappointing and a little strange. But I think we need to really focus on the near interception that became a reception, homie. This game, I think even as we're talking about it, we start to, we're, we're kind of like debriefing it more than analysing it because it, what happened? All <laughs> There was moments of this game where you had to relive it because you're not sure what happened. But I found the reason why it happened. So we're talking about the the long ball by Purdy down here. Looked like a certain intercept. Bounces off the head of a Lions defender into the hands of Ayuk, who then obviously catches the reception. Didn't go for the touchdown, but he... It pulled it, up. It it's resulted. a 53-yard reception, two yards from the yeah, end zone. Which should have been an intercept. Yeah. But I've got, I've got it for you, Cad. I've got the breaking news of why it happened. All about that catch. Before the game, a ladybug landed on my shoe. Come on. And y'all know what that means. So that's all I can say, because now I don't know. <laughs> that is Ayuk telling us the reason he was successful is because a ladybug landed on his shoe before the game. So good luck. And it, it was fortunate too, because it went beautifully into his hands. It is an exceptional play. And I think this is why it's one of the best games we've seen all season, because it had all moments. All moments in a David and Goliath battle that just all everything seemed possible and there was some magic there. But uh, moving it on, homie, as you've said, let's talk about 49ers looking to the future. Mr. Irrelevant did it. He's now going to the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes. 49ers had a lot to prove this week to make good on those claims we heard last season of we would have gotten into the Super Bowl if Purdy was playing because he did get injured. How did you think Purdy performed this week? Oh, he was outstanding in that second half. He was, uh, we talked about Lamar being a running base. Who is this bloke that turned up? I said to who, who you, we, we were talking at halftime. I was like, well, Purdy doesn't really run. And I was looking at it on a certain betting platform and I was like, oh, geez, you know, that's good money for Purdy running. He ran 50 plus yards, right? In that Sorry, 50 yards in the second half. In the Kat, second half. In the yes. second half. And he became elusive. And it was like, it was like a little, I was like, this is not the, I don't remember this. And it was very exciting because, he evaded so many potential sacks and so many potential moments. He's hit up to use check on the sideline when they should have definitely been sacked. There was little plays. He again kept them alive, and uh, he became. I was surprised that big that big play moments. One of our listeners, Jackson, messaged us and essentially said, "I love how Purdy gave the Purdy haters and the Purdy lovers an equal amount of fuel to pour on their own fires." And I thought yeah, that's, that's perfectly good, well put. Because first half, it was the, this is why we need to get rid of him. I told you, I told you so. 
second half superhero who I think proved us wrong, put the team on his back. So this is two weeks in a row now. He's carried it in the second half, which is probably what we didn't think Purdy could do. We thought they were a bit of a front-running team. Well, I've stated it many a time. And this is twice in a row now they've come from behind. And that's now that's exciting for this team because I didn't think they quite had it with them with Purdy at the helm, but they surprised us continually. Now, obviously, they got off to a slow start. Purdy's post-game interview, he mentioned that nothing was really said in the locker room, but clearly the play calling adjusted and they were able to get in the game. They took a lot of opportunities the Lions gave them on that list we read earlier. But what's the biggest thing you think, homie, that they need to change from this game to contend with the Chiefs next week? Oh, just start well. <laughs> like, be in the game early enough. It's uh, We saw we saw that they were pretty minor adjustments in the second half. They weren't dramatic at all. It was just that the execution was slightly better. Let's also give credit to Debo Samuel as well. What a huge performance to get up for this game. Yeah. I think he was um I think he was unbelievable to get into this into this because he's so important. But we saw I think it took him a little bit of time to get that rhythm again. And I think now, you know, they've just got to have that rhythm from the start. So get him going, get him going early. Christian McCaffrey, he's everything. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. just if he could, just keep doing it, they, they held him pretty good, right? Mm. And uh, if if the Chiefs can't hold Christian McCaffrey, they're a long way down the field. I think the uh, defensive line is a big part of it for me because we know they're going up against Mahomes. They could not get to Goff early and we know how intelligent Mahomes is. We already mentioned it, of him escaping the pocket. They've got their work cut out for them there. And I think if they couldn't get through the Lions O-line, they're going to really struggle with the Chiefs to try and get to Patrick. So there's a lot to contend. Weirdly, with these two games of coming back and forth for the 49ers, there's this underdog thing that we're getting from them against the Chiefs because the Chiefs seem like they're owning their own house right now. Well, who, cares? who does get to take the underdog tag? It I think it's to, the Niners. Nah, it's got to be the Chiefs, right? There's so much adversity. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I do like it. They've done very well at holding that line that they've been through adversity this year. No, you just dropped some balls. Like, you, you haven't had the injuries. You haven't had the – your your defense has been impeccable all year. But your attention in media has never been bigger, ridiculously. Yeah. But I, I think it, it's hard because San Fran are this – they're the stars, right? Yeah. They're, they're, the, they're the list. They're that, that pure list of talent. Dan Campbell described it as a lot of eye candy on that on that team. Oh, it is incredible. And it's you look around the whole field and you think – even Juwan Jennings, like that one-handed catch. Oh, unreal. It's not even highlighted. I didn't even put it's it in my list. Yeah, it's not even set out there, but that was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable catch. And you're like, he's, what is he, third string? Like, it is incredible. This, the, the, but Yes, but it is going to be interesting. It's going to be a really good matchup. Yeah, I think in, in eight minutes they turned this game around. They had five offensive possessions in the second half, scored on every single one of them. They were not... Only able to drive up the score, but they took time off the clock. Uh, one field goal drive, homie, they burned seven minutes. That's just incredible. And so I think the Chiefs don't have an easy game ahead of them. Despite the late starts we've seen, I think if the door opens slightly, Niners are going to look to kick it down. It's interesting that you say that because both these teams are very, very good at controlling the clock. Yeah. We, we might see nothing. <laughs> we might yeah. see nothing. Yeah, it could be a very. It could be four plays for the game. <laughs> it could be that one each. One each per quarter. It, it will be very interesting to see how they manage against each other because they are very. They are very kind of similar in some weird ways, uh, despite their 
quite different lists overall. So there's a lot to look forward to. But speaking of looking forward, after this break, we're going to let you know what's coming up for the bye week and, of course, the big day, February 12th. All right, homie, the conference championship is done. But in terms of the NFL, what happens now? We've got a dirty bye week. <laughs> I know. I hate bye I'm weeks. I'm so surprised by this. Does this happen in... Shows my knowledge of AFL and NRL, but do you get a bye week before finals? Uh, there's one before the actual finals kick off, not before the grand final. Okay. But I think, I, I think I've worked it out because it, I can understand it in America because imagine how much stuff they have to move to <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Las Vegas right now. Humans and equipment and staff Media, and fans. fans. Yeah, and events. So and I, I'm assuming else. that would, like, I think that's made logical sense to me why it is. And because it's a, always a rotating, like it's a rotating stadium. So, you know, AFL is at the MCG every year. Everyone knows where you're coming, so you can pre-plan mm. well in advance. You know, uh, every year it changes for, so you got to get to two teams to a neutral venue, venue half the, like most of the time. Yeah, yeah. And you want the teams fresh. Like, to be honest, I'm happy yeah. with, the, with them getting a little Evo bit of needs break. it. Evo, Evo definitely, Evo needs, definitely it. needs it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was banged up after. Um, but what we do have coming up, I think this Friday, I believe, and double check it, but it is the Pro Bowl Skills Challenge for Pro Bowl Weekend. And then the actual Pro Bowl games on next Monday. Homie, what are your thoughts on the Pro Bowl? Do you enjoy it? Do you get around it? I don't want to give you my honest opinion because uh, you'll have to bleep it out. Uh, but <laughs> that could be overly positive a, or negative. Yeah, it's not like the old school one. It's not an actual game. They do more skills-based trickery, a bit of flag football. And it, it's... They had the big men catching water balloons to show dexterity. Yeah, like, that, last, was, yeah. that was pretty... And they were pretty poor at it too. Not, not great television, exciting. really. Yeah. No, the cool, but I think it, the best... The best thing to get out of it is you see the players without their equipment on. So you get to see their play. I think it's the best outcome you can get from it because you don't see them on the field with their, like you don't see the player's face when they're running around and stuff. So if you want to introduce yourself to some new flavors and some new players that you, you weren't quite aware of, it's a good one for that, I think. Yeah, definitely. The one I do like is the the skills challenge where you get the quarterbacks doing their throwing uh, challenges and stuff. It's just good to see the boys like chatting and, and getting around it. Beyond that, it is a bit of fun while we uh, wait. Let's talk about our show, though, homie. We won't be having our regular Thursday show this week. Instead, we'll be preparing for our Super Bowl preview show, which is next Tuesday, February 6th, a week before the big day. So we get you the time to listen to it. We'll also be announcing the winner of the Super Bowl jersey from our competition that day. Uh, it was, so the episode will be released on the 6th. Uh, we'll also be giving an update on the tipping cut, which is coming to finale as well. So there's also a jersey on the line there as well. So these are things we're going to be rolling into next year's program as well. So fun things for you to track there. Definitely. And if you want to join in the promotion, visit our page at Onside Punt. Follow the three easy steps to be in the running. Uh, as well as that, homie, next week we'll be having our end of season show on Thursday, the 8th of Feb. Looking back at the season we've just had, some of our favourite moments, I guess, you know, looking at our earliest predictions of the season, having a bit of fun at our own expense, looking at the characters we met along the way, just a bit of a, I don't know, end of year party, Mad Monday kind of vibes for us. Yeah, it might be a, you know, in a way, it's probably a lead into our, like our, our holiday period in a way, because it's a, it'll be the start of our Super Bowl run, you know, and it's going to be pretty exciting. We'll be getting together. We're going to be meeting up in, 
Newcastle for our party, so mm. that'll be fun. And I can't wait. I got a little, I got a little present for you. I got a Do couple you? little things that I've, I've found for the for the show. So we'll see, and we'll see. I'm not sure if they're funny, but I find them funny. So then oh, that's all that matters. I'm concerned. We're gonna have to find some dirt of my own uh, to bring into this show. Uh, then our final show for the season will be the Super Bowl recap, of course. Before we take a little break. So much to look forward to, homie, even though it feels like we're getting to the end, which is a bit sad, but we've got a lot of episodes coming. So hope you guys are enjoying these. And homie, anything else before we wrap it up? No, nah, Cad, let's wrap this one up. Thank you for listening to this episode of Onside Punt. Remember, whether you're a diehard fan or just getting started on your NFL journey, we've got you covered. Remember to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us at Instagram at Onside Punt. And we've got the TikToks as well. Thanks, Cad. It's been great, mate. Thanks, buddy. See you at the Super Bowl. See you at the Super Bowl. Woohoo!